it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. This is your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from the USA Today NFL Wire. My co-host is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from SB Nation. And this is episode 327, that is. And goodness, Seth, um, this isn't just a... We're not just excited about the Cardinals looking good. They looked great. They beat the Rams, not just in a nail-biter that we thought the type of game was going to be. They controlled that game almost as well as they controlled Week 1. They defeat the Rams 37-20. They're 4-0, the only team in the NFL left unbeaten. First place in the NFC West. Ah, it's a good time to be a Cardinals fan right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's just different than what we were expecting. Um I think I was one of the few people that saw them starting 3-0, and but I don't think there were many people that that saw them going 4-0, and and I think there were really probably nobody that you would say is, you know, paying attention that would think that they would basically go into L.A. and, and look like the Super Bowl favorite team instead of the instead of the Rams. And you know, that's not to say that they're the Super Bowl favorites or anything like that right now, but when we're just talking about a game, they looked like the more complete team, they looked like the better coach team and the more prepared team. And yeah, it's just it's crazy to think that four weeks into a season when, you know, the the initial questions began of you know, is this team, you know, is, is Kingsbury coaching for his and Kaim's job? And, you know, what are, you know, what do they have in these veterans and all of this stuff? And in the end, it, it, and in the end, it's just, there's really no question. Like they're, they are primed to have a 
big season and they have the skills. I mean, obviously this is every team in the NFL, but health permitting, they have the skills to be a, a player in the NFC. Yeah. And it's, and that's what we're going to start talking about. We're going to talk about, well, how big that win was for the Cardinals. And, and if they're, if they're the best team in the NFL right now, uh, we'll look at the good, we'll look at the win, the best parts of it. We'll, we'll, talk about the run defense and pass rush which we might look at as kind of a concern and then we'll look ahead to the to the week five matchup against the against the san francisco giants at home in week five how big was that i mean to me this win meant a lot i in the more i listen to cliff kingsbury the more he sounds like bill belichick and they are really focusing on that one day one one and no mentality where they don't look ahead, they don't think about what they've done. And I think they got last year was a good example of that. Once they were six and three, they started feeling themselves and they got a little unfocused. They felt that they were going to make the playoffs. And then they didn't because things fell apart. This year, they're I think they kind of fixed that focus of staying, you know, on track one week at a time. And, you know, I think for anything else, this was this win was huge for many reasons. One, it puts it well if they finally beat the rams which is it's a signature statement i know they don't talk signature wins this is a signature win for this team and for this red regime because the rams had obliterated them essentially for the last eight meetings it puts them it gives them the early lead in the nfc west um it proves to the rest of the nfl that they weren't just a week three and oh that they were a legit four and O team that win over Tennessee was impressive. Their win over Minnesota was suspect. Their win over Jacksonville was expected, but the game, the win in Los Angeles proved, I think what it, it was the statement game that tells the rest of the, of the league that the Cardinals are legitimately good this year and are a team to be reckoned with moving forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at it, a lot of it, was defined by the veterans and and you know we as Arizona sports fans can parallel this a lot to the Phoenix Suns and and I know you've done so um very eloquently in the past but you've got guys on both sides of the ball now in JJ Watt uh Jordan Hicks and then on offense Rodney Hudson and AJ Green who know that this is their last ride that they know that this is it for them. They're not going to get a next best chance to do this again. And so to your point of one week at a time, I think those guys added to, you know, obviously the young talent that they have. And then, you know, added to a guy like Deandre Hopkins, who's already here. You're talking about a well, put together and focused team. And that is, I think, a lot of what was missing. And I, I think it's helped Cliff probably become a little bit more of a hard ass in, in the same way is that he probably doesn't have to be the bad guy because you've got Watt and Hudson on either side of the ball really dictating things. Um, you know, we've discussed this before with Kyler Murray. Kyler's never going to be the the Tom Brady type of guy. 
he's never going to be that get in your face and, and you know berate you type of guy that's oh, going to ask we are seeing more than not necessarily he's not an in your face but he is much more vocal this year he he has taken control of the offense and communicates much better with receivers what he wants from them um whether it was just a case of he finally found his footing in the league uh he, he tasted some success he feel, finally feels that he's done enough to be able to to call out other guys. He isn't quite that, but he is very much showing that he is of that same type of leader caliber. Correct, and and but it's I mean, and to your point, it's just a different leadership style, and and that's okay. But when you have a guy like Rodney Hudson, and then you have a guy like a guy like JJ Watt that demand that demand you know respect it is fun to watch this team because and obviously we'll we'll find out soon but they seem incredibly focused they seem like the team that is more primed to to be make a push this year um that it just it looked almost backwards than what we were expecting right like we weren't expecting the cardinals defense to be the one to kind of i don't want to say shut down that's a little strong but you know really outdo the rams offense and and when it happened it was just it was unexpected and and it's nice to see it quite frankly well and what made the difference is is the Cardinals took control early. This is this is similar in the fact that they they did in Los Angeles what they did to Tennessee, only without the complete dominance. They they held the ball, and, and I think what we're seeing here, Cliff Kingsbury really likes to defer the kick. He he really likes deferring because he would like to manage the game to get the ball back at the end of the half and get points, and then to get points in the first part of the second half, which is, which is kind of the opposite of Bruce Arians. Most of the time who was a, you know, always receive, let's always receive. Yeah. Let's open up the game and get, get things going. And, and Cliff looks at things and goes, you know, I want, I want to score at the end of the half. And we've seen it in. They've been, they've been fantastic at the end of half this, this year so far, but what we're seeing is, they got they they forced so they forced a field goal then when they didn't score they made something happen defensively they got the interception then they got a touchdown and so they put themselves ahead so they were able to play from the head and now again they they let uh it looked like it was going to be a back and forth game but then the defense stepped up instead of playing from behind is what they did a lot of the time in, uh, against Minnesota. And they played a little bit behind against Jacksonville. They were able to play from ahead. And I think that is what um, really did made the difference for them. But going to the question of well, I think how important it is. And, and do you think right now we could consider the Cardinals the best team in the NFL? You know, that's always a loaded question because teams have off days and, and we know that 
the week to week in the NFL is just so difficult and in teams the ebb and flow of the season you know creates such such you know dynamics in teams that you wonder about it but when you when you look at what the cardinals have done through four games and that's i think what you have to qualify this as through four games they've won with the best offense in the NFL. They are uh, number one in points and in total offense, so they are the best offense in the NFL. And then you look at you look at they've had two nearly dominant performances on defense over two of what are supposed to be the better offenses in the NFL, correct? Like Yes. Two look, teams when, that were in the playoffs a year ago, two teams that are expected to be great offensively this year. This and they controlled them, and and then they've had clutch special teams play, and so those two situations or those three situations create the idea that at this moment in time they are playing the best football of any team in the NFL, and I don't think that's. I don't think that's bad to say right now. And that's why, you know, power rankings are such a silly thing, you know, <laughs> but, but the reality is power rankings, you either do one or the other, you reflect them based on you, you base them on either your expectations for the season. So for instance, you would still have a team like Kansas city in the top five, right? Because you expect them to be playing for the AFC championship game, probably against the Buffalo bills. Um, or you base it on how the, the season is going at that time. And at this time you would say that the best team in the NFC is the Arizona Cardinals and probably the best team in the AFC is the Buffalo bills. And, and so you look at that and you go, well, the Cardinals haven't had, that one hiccup where the the Bills started the season off with a loss against a really bad Pittsburgh Steelers team. And for that reason right now, I don't think there's any reason not to, you know, say that they are playing the best football of any team in the NFL. Um, and that's just when you take into account all four weeks of the season. Absolutely. And so if we're talking about the best team in the NFL, yes, through four weeks, whether we want to qualify them as the best team, there isn't anyone better. I'll put it that way. So if, if they are not the best, they are one of the best. Because if you look at some of the numbers, so they have the number one offense in the NFL, both in points, in, both in terms of, of scoring and yards. They have a quarterback playing at an MVP level. They're getting, they have a prolific passing attack and they're running the ball the, run, the rush offense is also very good. But then you look at the defense. While they've given up some points and, and they've given up yards, we want to look at some metrics. Um, entering entering week four, they had the number two defense on third down. And they were going up against the number two offense on third down in the, newer, in, in the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams did pretty well on third down. I think they were six of 11. 
So if we look at some of these statistical metrics that you look at the defense, so while they aren't at the top of the league in the points and they're not the top of the league in terms of yards, they are one of the best playmaking defenses in the league because they are number one in forced fumbles. They are third in takeaways. They're even after the the, the Rams game, they're they're to number six. In third down percentage, they are number six in in broken up passes, so they're getting hands on balls. They are a top team in interceptions with four. Um, they are eighth in points and offensive points allowed. Obviously, the, those, those numbers are going to be skewed a little bit because they had they gave up a, a defensive touchdown to Minnesota and they gave up a special teams touchdown to Jacksonville. So they're eighth in points allowed, and then with their ten sacks, they are tenth in the league overall but here's the other part their second half defense is great they've allowed 23 second half points this year in four games 23 and so and then that goes and and 20 of those 23 second half points seven of them came on a pick six and an extra point after that so the defense has only allowed 16 second half points so if you look in, at the in best three teams, games, which is or four games, which is that's I mean, you're talking about four points per game on defense. Yes, like that's, and so that's absurd. You've got a top offense. You've got a top playmaking defense. You you've got a four and zero record. So if you're looking at who you you might say who is the best team in the league, you're going to say the Cardinals. You might think the Rams. You might think the Bucks. You might think the uh, Packers. You might think the Bills. Let's look at it. The Packers got jack stomped in week one. The Bills had a stinker against Pittsburgh. The Bucks lost to the Rams, who lost to the Cardinals. The Bucks also barely beat a, a New England team on uh, on Sunday night. So, and then 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 you look at okay, the Chargers they have a loss. You, you look at the Raiders they lost um, and they got jack stomped as well. They kind of they were controlled for a good portion of that game on Monday night. So. Is there a team better than the Cardinals? No. You could argue that there are there that you could argue that there is a team up there, but if you mention some other team, the Cardinals are at least their match. So are they the best team in the NFL right now? They are at least one of the best teams in the NFL. This is not for all of you Cardinals fans who can remember 2012, and I remember 2012 very well because it was the first year I covered the team as a media member, and so I got to be in the locker room, the field. This team is not like that 2012 4-0 team that finished 5-11. and This team feels more like a 2015 team, which is crazy. Um, and I'll be honest, it actually feels more like the, the 2016 team without the but, but with performing veterans that's kind of the feel that they get this team is focused this team is they have their this is you know if you've ever want to have a, a team that has their eyes on the prize it is the cardinals doing this right now because they're doing the job on offense they're doing jo the job on defense they're doing the job on special teams they are humming at all three levels and and obviously we can't expect this team to go 17 and 0 20 and 0 to win the super bowl but it, Things are going as well as we could have expected when, when, before the season began. I thought that this team, like the rest of the NFC West, has a Super Bowl ceiling, and we're seeing that potential through four games. Yeah, and that's what it's all about is that potential and that ability to, you know, 
really put themselves in a position to be a team that that competes deep into the playoffs. And and so far, to your point, that's what they've done. I mean, they've put themselves in a position where they are one, obviously, like you said, they got the the huge, huge um first win in, in the division and a road win. Like that's even bigger. Because now you expect them to take care of business at home. Like right, they, right. So you, you, the, you what we were saying lose. three wins in the division gets you in the playoffs, four wins the division. You pick up a road win over the Rams. You're looking at the possibility of a division win. Yeah, and so that's you know that's the big thing, and and you know obviously we'll look ahead you know a little bit later in the show, but even more important is what's happening Thursday night. If somehow the Seahawks beat the Rams on Thursday night, the Cardinals can put a real stranglehold on the division early um, where it's really just them in Seattle because both, you know, the Rams and then the 49ers would both have two division losses in only five games played. Right. Um, And so when you talk about how important this win was, that's where it starts to get very important because you're talking about, you're talking about a division win on the road against a team that's a Super Bowl favorite. And you go out there and you don't just win, but you control the game. And so that was a, that was a statement um, that this team to your, to what you said earlier is not, you know, just for real, but they are contenders for real. And, you know, they're playing at a high level and you and I talked about it quite a bit before the season started. The expectation was they would have a, a top five offense and that was asking a lot, but they should have a top five offense and then potentially a top 10 defense. And if they did that, they were going to compete, not just for the division, but be true competitors for um you know in the nfc i'm always one of those people that defaults back to tom brady you know it is until until he doesn't win i'm just gonna expect it but when you're if if you're competing in in late january with the with the buccaneers then you're doing something right Absolutely. And the, the game, this win was big for a number of reasons. We mentioned the win that finally got the monkey of the back. So they finally got over the, not just the Sean McVay, but the Matthew Stafford hex because they hadn't beaten McVay ever. And they hadn't beaten Stafford since 2015. So you get that streak out of the way. They are 1-0 in the division, which puts them in the driver's seat. They are now 2-0 in conference. So in terms of when you're just looking at the playoff race in general, even though it's only four games in, but conference wins are very important and last week i said that looking at these next three games they basically needed to come out of their two and one to be considered a real playoff contender they took care of that right off the bat they get and if they beat the san francisco 49ers this weekend and and that was basically i said they had to beat the 49ers at home because that's a home division game 
And if they pick up a win against the Rams, that's perfect because a loss to the Browns, if they like, obviously they have the potential to beat that team on the road. They're still, they're still three and zero in conference and losses in the AFC are really going to hurt you in the playoff race. They're not really not, but we're looking at a team now picking up that win against the Rams now puts them in a position to go 2-0 in the, in the division, 3-0 in the conference to start for the season, 5-0. and And right now, they now they have a four-game stretch where they're playing three of the next four at home. They've got San Francisco at home. They've got Cleveland on the road. They come back and play Houston, who looks abysmal with Davis Mills at quarterback. And then the Thursday night game against the Packers, which, you know, Cardinals fans, because Cardinals players, Cardinals coaches, you're only looking at San Francisco, that's fine. But we can eye that game in week eight as a potential to really stamp their status as the best team in the NFC, because then they will have knocked off Tennessee, who was an expected division winner, the Rams, an expected division winner, and the Packers, an expected division winner. Uh, they they check off those three wins um, with maybe maybe getting a loss to Cleveland. You're sitting there at seven and one, doing fantastic work, and that's basically what we're seeing is right now the Cardinals are in perfect position for what they need to do. But let's talk about the game specifically. Coming on next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's come back and talk about the positives that there were in that game. What were the things that well? That went well. That's coming on next on Rise of Sea Red. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talk on the web. There were a number of things to be happy about in that win over the Rams. We've already touched on a couple of them. And, and But if there's one thing I want to bring up. Aaron Donald was... A non-factor. I don't know if we've ever said that in any game against the Rams, but Aaron Donald was a non-factor. PFF grades, this or that. He had one of his lowest rush rush defense grades, I think it was, that he's ever had in his career. He was, I, I whatever they did, with a banged up 
Justin Pugh with Rodney Hudson, they had a they had an offensive game plan that basically took Aaron Donald away. And the one time that we saw him affect a play, Kyler simply sidestepped him and made a play down the field. I think that's number one you look at. They took out, they basically neutralized the most important player on that defense. Yeah, and it was interesting to watch, you know, everything unfold in that game because we talked about it. I mean controlling the Rams offense is a lot about controlling the, your offense and keeping your offense on the field. And I've got, you know, some interesting numbers that I wanted to talk about, you know, in this good, because this is going to just discuss how great the whole, both sides of the ball were obviously, but especially how they were able to control the offense. So the first possession of the game, the Cardinals went negative nine yards and punted. And it, and you real and that's coming off a 52 yard, you know, almost four minute drive by the Rams where you're like, okay, now you held them to a field goal and you're like, okay. And then the Cardinals punt after getting negative nine yards, right? Like you're, all of a sudden, you're like, uh-oh, here we go. And then Byron Murphy baits Matthew Stafford into an interception. It, an incredible, incredible play. But, you know, they start at the 13. It's, it's going to be a tough one. And they go down and in six plays, score a touchdown. They go 87 yards in six plays. The Rams' last time that they looked like they were going to be in this game was the next drive where they went down and scored a touchdown in about five minutes. And you thought, okay, here, here it comes here come those fireworks that we were expecting, right? You and I both expected a, a higher scoring game. I think we, we were right around our total points prediction, but we were expecting it to be more, more even. even. Right. And this is what the next the next um, eight drives for the Cardinals and eight drives for the Rams looked like. The Cardinals, uh, after that touchdown, the Cardinals scored a touchdown. Then the Rams get the ball back. They fumble on the first play. The Cardinals score a touchdown. The Rams get the ball back and punt. The Cardinals punt for the final time of the game with seven minutes and 26 seconds left in the second quarter. The Rams got that ball and went down and kicked a field goal. But then the Cardinals kicked another field goal. They got the ball to start the half. They kicked another field goal. And that's where it just turned. The The Rams missed their field goal then. The Cardinals go, go down and score another touchdown. They hold the Rams on downs. And then they have probably the most impressive drive of the cliff Kingsbury era. They go 94 yards in 12 minutes or sorry, in eight minutes and 27 seconds. They only kick a field goal, but the Rams got the ball back with three and a half minutes left in the game. The Cardinals got the ball with 12 minutes in the fourth quarter and didn't give it back till three 30 left in the game. And there was no chance. I mean, at that point, there was literally no chance for the Rams. And you look at it, two punts in a game 
against this Rams defense. No turnovers. They didn't throw a pass for the entire fourth quarter. The Cardinals did not attempt a single pass in the fourth quarter. I mean, that that is a baffling thing to think about. And it just, it made, it made the game easy on both sides of the ball because their offense was efficient and effective and their defense made plays that, that we just haven't seen them make Um, the Stafford interception, forcing a fumble, holding on, on a promising looking drive to miss a four, uh, you know, a field goal. Like those are, those are all turnovers. And, and then they forced, you know, a, a fourth down and, and got off the field. And again, those are all turnovers. Those four turnovers in the game. That's, that's huge. When you talk about the Cardinals only punted twice, the Rams turned, turned it over to the Cardinals four different times. And that's just, that's just a complete game and hard to fathom when you go into this game that you're going to see that we didn't expect it from the Rams side either. Let's be honest. We thought the Cardinals could compete, but we didn't expect them to be able to control the game like they did. Right. And one thing that we've, we kind of lamented the last couple of years is the inability of the Cardinals to manage the game late in halves. What we've seen through four games is that we didn't need them. The first game, it didn't matter. But the Cardinals in 28 seconds were able to get in position for field goal. The Cardinals in week three were in, in less than a minute, were able to get in position for field goal that they missed and he got returned for a touchdown. But this time in week four, they got the ball. They got the ball late. In the, they did. They weren't on the frantic side, and so they went down and they got the ball with three and three minutes and twenty-two seconds left, and they used up the entire clock but four seconds. They didn't end up finishing with the touchdown, but they kept the ball away from LA at the end of the half. They picked up points. Then they went down and get picked up more points, and so they double scored which is kind of what you want to do that's the idea of deferring so if you can manage it so you get points before the half and then after the half so you don't basically you take a possession away from the other team and then they were able to take they were able to run down the clock in that 12 play drive which was marked by which the big play was the 54 yarder by Chase Edmonds, but then after that, it was grinded out, move the chains, move the chains, move the chains. We haven't well, been able to see that. We haven't seen, you know, you talk about a, a, an air raid offense. This was an air raid offense with a power run game. Well, and, and it's funny to think about that because I know at the end of the game, they really want to get Chase in the, the end zone. Um, but. It's it's ironic or just kind of funny to think about. It was the best thing that happened was he got caught from behind, and and he wasn't able to score a ninety-seven or whatever it would have been yard touchdown. Um, now I know for his statistics for everything else, uh, you know, and everybody would have been super happy if it happened, but it allowed them to run the ball. I think that that was the third play of that drive. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a third down run. 
Uh, they'd gotten, they barely got any yards the previous two, and then it broke them out. And I think that play kind of broke the backs of the Rams' defense. Right, because the Cardinals took another seven minutes off the clock after that play. <laughs> and and they, they only went like 45 yards. That's the crazy thing in those. Right, in those. and yeah, I mean, they, I mean, the next plays went 7-4-14, no gain, 11-3, and then Kyler for the minus three on he gave himself just not up taking, here. yeah, not taking a hit. Like that's insane because they, and and people are like, well, you can't, you know, you can't slow down in the air raid, and and you know this doesn't work. And no, like I I I know there's jokes about Cliff at Texas A&M, and and uh, trust me, nobody gets that as well as I do. But the reality is, there is something to the Arizona Cardinals. And the the air raid offense that the best that Cliff has looked at Texas A&M or sorry, Texas Tech was when they had a devastating running game with it. I think it was DeAndre Washington yeah, was. that had like, what, 1,200 or 1,400 yards to go with Pat Mahomes throwing for 4,500 yards. Like, we want that for Kyler in a 17 game season and Mahomes did it in a 12 game like like that is that is the dynamic of the air raid is that you've got this spread out ability offensively uh to throw the ball but then you're able to run the ball effectively to close down games and it's just let's be honest we haven't seen it much and now we've seen it in two games this year like it's it's baffling. Yeah. And, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't a factor. Jalen Thompson, um, I think he's found his place in the league. He it's treated been about health for him. Right. Like, he, he, he so good. My goodness. It, you know, he felt like it felt like he was becoming, he was being a camp chancellor out there is essentially what he was doing. Put the boom on guys. Uh, you had the interception by Murphy. You had, you had a, a questionable penalty take away a Marco Wilson interception there. That that was an interesting call. I, you know, not to lament, but this is the negative in the game. It was the officiating (laughs) man. They allowed Jalen Ramsey to really assault Deandre Hopkins out there. And then we had a couple really ticky tacky um, calls against the Cardinals. But that call was interesting because they got Stafford's hand first. And I know it's a bang bang play, and I don't think it's reviewable, right? Like it's no, not like college can't. where they can review it. No, but if they call it targeting. I, 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 we've seen the forcible contact to the helmet. Simmons oh, yeah. did. It was not a strike to the helmet. He hit the arm, and he happened to nick the glance helmet. off yeah, the helmet. Gosh, yeah. and that was. And honestly, let's let's be honest it was probably a good thing that he hit his arm because he probably would have broken a finger or something. Cause we've seen that a lot <laughs> with, you know, where they go for that knockdown of the hand, the arm and they miss, and then they bust their thumb or a finger against the quarterback helmet. And, and that's when you end up losing a guy. So yeah, it's just, I mean, I think, in the end, we're, you know, we're not going to talk about anything negative because we don't really have anything negative to talk about. But, um, 
I think that was the negative from the game is you kind of felt like, oh, uh, <laughs> the the calls were a little iffy, and you know, uh, we were robbed of Marco Wilson's first interception um, as a as an NFL player. But you know, again, to quote to quote basketball. Ball don't lie, and there's a reason <laughs> they Matt missed that Gay interception. Missed, yeah, they missed that field goal because the the football gods were like, nope, not happening. So, yeah, it was, and to watch Kyler Murray, he looked great as a passer, and he was more involved with the as a runner. So he he made plays with his legs. He was great throwing the ball, and and we see with the personnel group. So with better protection, with a third year in the offense, and with better receivers on on the team we're seeing his ability they're not just dinking and dunking they are pushing that ball down the field they're doing it without reservation and and the fact that you look at how he's come three straight games with over 75 percent completion percentage and it's not doing it with the short passing game he's doing it down the field that's what's yeah. super impressive about everything about this offense and everything about kyler murray and and i think you know, finally seeing the right talent. I think everyone's starting to believe in that Cliff Kingsbury philosophy that it can work in the NFL. This isn't pretty boy football. This is just pretty football that has some physicality to it. It's not pretty boy football, but it is pretty football to watch. It is one fun team to watch right now and they're flying around on defense, but coming next on the rise of sea red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. We do have a couple of concerns but we'll talk about how concerned we are about those things. That's coming up next on Rise of Speed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talk on the web. I wrote about it a couple days ago. The two concerns, and I think they're the two areas where I think the Cardinals just aren't dominant right now. And if you if we notice over the statistics that they haven't been great at stopping the run, and there was an alarming lack of sacks in the last few games. How concerned are you with those particular areas? You know, 
I think there are teams that are going to be able to, or uh, be able to, are going to look to exploit it. Um, as good of a coach as Sean McVay is, he sometimes gets really enamored with a shiny toy, right? And and I felt like in a game where, obviously, as not a neutral observer, but as not a Rams fan, you could you could look at honestly and say that it was not. Matthew Stafford's day like he was just from the first interception he was just missing some throws that you normally see him make I think a lot of it has to do with with the way the Cardinals were pressuring him they were showing him a lot of different looks uh, that you're not going to see a lot of teams do Uh, there were some highlights I Oh, I can't remember who was highlighting it. And and I, I apologize. I'm not trying to steal your information. I'll, I'll look while I'm talking about it. But they were highlighting how Vance Joseph was utilizing zone blitzes to really change the eyes on Stafford. And you saw plays where they were dropping Isaiah Simmons or Jordan Hicks into coverage as a safety and then bringing, you know, a defensive back as a rusher. Uh, they were, and then they dropped their defensive tackles into the <laughs> short zone. Yes. I saw Michael Dogby in coverage. Like, Whoa, what are they doing? Yeah. And so what they're, what they were trying to do was they were trying to change Stafford's eyes by, forcing him to see different things. And so, you know, it's a hugely different thing. So I don't want anybody to think that, that I'm comparing what I do in youth football to that. But one of the things that we do in youth football a lot is we will, you know, have a basic coverage. So a cover three where you've got your entire third of the field. Um, And then we'll drop into a cover two where the safeties have half of the deep field and then the corners sit shallow and they, and they stay home. And what ends up happening is they either make a play in the backfield because we've been bailing so much all day that the quarterback naturally throws that flat or they see the corner sit and assume that they're going to have the deep ball. And then one of the safeties goes up and gets it. And when you do that, it creates it creates you know things for the quarterback to then become worried about and now all of a sudden they're like okay i can't trust what my eyes are seeing because even though i'm not getting hit consistently i'm confused on where they're they're dropping their coverages and so that happened in this game a lot and for whatever reason, McVeigh didn't just go back to running down their throat with Daryl Henderson. It was like, it was like Sony Michelle came in for one run, fumbled the ball, and they were like, "Well, we can't run the football anymore." And 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 meanwhile, you've got Stafford who's not who's not seeing coverage as well. And kudos to Vance and the, and the staff and the crew to run it so effectively, especially against this offense. But man, you would have thought that McVay would have would have tried to take advantage of it. And so I think it is something to be concerned about because you've got obviously San Francisco coming up 
who is going to run the ball, especially if Trey Lance is their quarterback, which we're expecting. We know Cleveland's going to run the football because they don't they don't believe in Baker Mayfield quite like the Cardinals believe in Kyler Murray. Um, and so for those reasons, they're going to have to get it fixed. That being said, you and I both do um, snap count things. And I thought the snap counts were really interesting because I think it shows that they believed in both the game against um, the Titans and against the the Rams that they could bait them into throwing the ball more. And obviously getting ahead helps that, but but they baited them, I felt like, both teams earlier than they needed to in terms of giving up on the run. Did you not feel that way too? I, I well, in a way, I kind of get what happened with, you know, falling behind and then with the Michelle fumble. I, I think it was coaches, and we've seen it from Kingsbury, we've seen it from Bruce Arians. When you get more than a score behind, they just yeah, don't, you just, they just don't trust the run anymore. Yeah. They, they get into this odd panic mode and it was like, oh, we can't, we can't run the football, and it's like well, you're you're gaining seven yards of carry. It's in the like, first half. Why, why can't you run the football? But I mean, and so to that point, I think I think both the 49ers and the Browns are going to test that, and I think that's important to the conversation we had earlier about them being, you know, potentially the best team in the NFL right now. Is that when you have a weakness, as you said, right now it's clearly the the run game. Or defending the run, sorry. But it's really, it's only defending the run early because... Well, yeah, because teams are bailing out of it. So you're not <laughs> they having really, to worry about that, it. I think that's one of the important things of how this team is constructed. If their offense is unstoppable, which it appears to be so far this season, they can... And, and here's, here's the truth. We can't honestly expect the Cardinals to be dominant in every single statistical... Category, <laughs> category. No. it's impossible but and, and that that is right. something to be concerned about the rush defense especially early on because the San the 49ers are try. though luckily they've seen the same running scheme for the last four weeks and they're going to see <laughs> it again next week and and what's really interesting to me is the four defensive snaps that we saw from Zaven Collins I think that is a testament, and I think he will see a similar amount of playing time against San Francisco because the Rams and the 49ers try to trick the eyes of the defenders, and who's going to be most susceptible to that? That's going to be the young guy, Zayvon Collins. I think, it, it. and Buddha said it after the game, Buddha Baker said this after the game, that early on they they were they were missing their, their run fits, they're missing their gaps because of their because of their eyes and then they got focused they made some adjustments and then they shut things down after that and they're gonna have to do that early but as long as it's not a whole game thing you know we don't want them to like obviously if they could do with san francisco and cleveland what they did to to, to derrick henry and i think they have to have that same sort of mentality if they can do that to to the 49ers and and the browns i think they will be setting themselves up again for some big wins yeah, and that's that's the thing. And, you know, if you can 
get ahead early, then you you bait teams into not running the football, which is again just a weird thing. The other thing is, and and you know the other concern is that they're not creating sacks. Um, I think they only had they had none on Stafford or just one. They had not a single one. Okay, so and they only had one against Trevor Lawrence. Marcus Golden got it. No, they had, they, I, they ended up with two because Hicks hit the hit the one at the very end. Oh, that's right. I didn't count that one. Um, so they've got and then, they've got ten sacks on the season total. Yeah, so it was six two or yeah six two and two. <clears throat> and when you look at it from that perspective, they're fine in that way. How, however, I think and you know me, I'm not a huge pressure guy. I, I'm just. I think it leads to over belief that, oh, pressures are better than, than sacks. That being said, when you create pressure with four, which they're doing quite often, and you have seven guys in coverage, and then you're doing a lot with your coverages on the back end, it creates opportunities to make plays. Now, They've got to continue to make those plays. And I think that's the biggest thing that you look at is if they're creating turnovers due to the pressure, it is it is good. If they're just getting pressures but they're not seeing negative results on the, on the offensive side of the ball, either obviously incompletions or even more turnovers – then the pressures don't matter. And so that's what matters right now is that I think we said there were, you and I talking off there, there were what, three or four throws that Stafford made where you're just like, huh? And then you go back and you watch the replay and you're like, oh, he had a guy in his face. like So he was just getting rid of the ball. And, and those are the pressures that matter. Those are the ones that you look at and you go, okay, that is what a pressure defense can bring. Now, that being said, going up against Trey Lance is going to it's going to be important to get actual sacks. I do think that they'll for, force turnovers, but because the dynamic thing about Lance is he can obviously <laughs> run the ball really he, well. He can get away. And so the, yeah. they're going to really have to be careful about Chandler Jones in particular cuz he he sometimes he gets was, away with it. He does end up leaving his yeah, his pass rushing. He leaves the pass rushing. He, he doesn't contain all the time. And with a guy like it hurt him a couple times with Stafford, but with a guy like Lance, if you don't, if you don't finish, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. Yeah, and so I think you know when you look at it from that perspective, um, it's just one of those things that they've got to find a way to, and they've got to show. And I, I, this was what I was going to say about snap counts. They didn't, I mean, Corey Peters played 15 snaps. Lucky Fotu played 15 snaps. Um, Rashard Lawrence played 19. <laughs> yeah, like, they weren't even really trying to stop the run. Like, again, they were, they somehow baited a team by not playing their, their run stoppers to stop running the ball, which is just a baffling decision. Um, and so maybe that changes. I've been quietly surprised by how much JJ's played. Have you not? 
You know, it was one game for me that was surprised for how much, and that was just one game he played almost every snap. But the rest of it has been the 60-70% range and end, which is what we were expecting, what I've actually been surprised about. We haven't seen him on the edge, but he's only played interior so far this year. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at it, it may be this thing where they like having, you know... Um, well, it might be the trust they have in Marcus Golden. They, that yeah, way they, they get, like having they like Golden. having Golden Jones and Watt on the field at the same time. Well, and we and you and I have kind of talked about it a little bit, but they've also given uh, Isaiah Simmons a lot of looks on the edge as well too. They have. Not my favorite not, thing. <laughs> yeah, not not a huge thing that you and I love. However, you know, but yeah, I mean, looking at the snaps, yeah, Lawrence, um, you know, Devon Kennard's been. Is is a solid run defender, Lecky Fotu, Corey Peters, you know Michael Dogby. I mean, Lecky Fotu, Corey Peters, and Michael Dogby combined for forty four snaps, which is, you know, five less than JJ Watt played in the game. I'm not saying we expect them to play JJ Watt level snaps, but if you're truly trying to stop the run, like you're going to get those guys in and keep them fresher, um, especially JJ, because you'll want him when they start to pass as much as they do. And I do think that's part of the reason JJ's numbers have been a little higher, because they said, what, 60% was what they were shooting for? Kind of 65 is, I think, what they were shooting for. And so, you know, now you look at it, and, and again, it's not a huge number, but I think he's in the, um, on the season, he's... Yeah, 72, 90, 82, and then 72. So, like, they're, you know, he's probably right around 80% um, on the season. And I think that's a little little bit more than what they wanted, but teams have had have either had to or have decided to throw the ball so much that it creates a different need for him and a different – need of what the team needs from him so i'm not that's why i'm not super shocked uh that their run defense has struggled so to speak because i think watts a good run defender but he doesn't make as many explosive behind the line of scrimmage plays as he did when he was younger uh so to me that's i think the difference in what you're seeing is that Watts on the field a lot I don't want to say a lot more than we expected but more than we expected because he's rushing the passer so much which is obviously not unexpected Um, that's what they brought him in for was to be kind of that interior pressure guy and he's done phenomenal so far in it right so I am concerned at some level that they're not getting the sacks because Honestly, that's what we want to see from guys like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt and Marcus Golden. They are pressuring quarterbacks. Chandler Jones leads the NFL in quarterback hits with 14. So they are getting to the quarterback, but they're not finishing the play, which hasn't been an issue yet. However, you and I have talked for years on this show. You're not a big pressure guy because good quarterbacks can still make plays under pressure and a sack is a defined guarantee loss of down loss of yards that said if you are getting in the quarterback's face you do you do 
increase the likelihood of good things happening for the defense, which is what has been happening. They are pressuring. They are. They do have a good pressure rate. They just don't have a good sack rate right now. And so I'm only mildly concerned, especially. But it is a kind of a bad combination if you're looking overall defensively. They don't stop the run well and they don't get sacks. And you look at those two numbers and you're like, they're a bad defense. But you look at what everything they're doing, they're not a bad defense. So mildly concerned. And it was, especially with a guy like Chandler Jones, you know that the sacks will come at some point uh, as long as he's winning battles. And he has looked fine. He does, the, the Rams, he hasn't had a sack against the Rams in a long time. Andrew Whitworth really does a good job against him. He's he's might be the one the one tackle that can really kind of neutralize him in many ways. Have we uh, heard anything about, and I know I'm getting a little ahead, but have we heard anything about Trent Williams? Um, I haven't heard anything. I know that he left the game with an elbow injury. We'll have to wait and see with that first injury report, which by the time you're listening to the show, the first injury report will have come out. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't seen anything that anyone has said about – his availability, his yet. availability, yeah, yet. yeah. And, and so that's the thing is that that's the other thing. And there is, we know, his sacks also t- typically are sustainable. And I think he drew two penalties on Whitworth. Um, I know he drew one, a uh, hands to the face penalty. Um, Trent Williams thought... is going to be day to day with. It wasn't the elbow; it was the shoulder. I thought it was his elbow and elbow injury in the game. Yeah, and but they carted him off. That was what was weird. <laughs> but he's a big guy. He needs help getting off the field. But yeah, I and so you look at it, you know, and and I know that people are going to be like, "Well, we want a sack," but like if you're getting a hands to the face penalty, like that's just that's as good. That's, that's I mean, you don't you don't get effective. the loss of a down. Loss of down, but you get a ten to fifteen yard penalty. Come on, man! Like we'll be okay with that. Yeah. So I think he drew two penalties. I could be wrong. It might have just been the one, but that's typically. I mean, that's what great pass rushers do. Think about it. Like great pass rushers do what? They get one sack a game. Like if you get sixteen sacks and now seventeen sacks in a season, you end up you end up getting paid. You know, twenty twenty five million dollars a year. Like that's how good you are. And so. I think right now we look at it, you know, he's obviously had the massive first game and he's still got the five sacks on the season. Um, and JJ has no sacks on the season, but they're creating pressures that are leading to turnovers. Uh, you know, obviously we know that the Byron Murphy uh, pick six was all because JJ Watt was, that was all screwed up the plate. Uh, and so, you know, all of those things, create this reality and that's what i would say is that yes it is a concern because to your point you're going to go up against um aaron Rodgers, who you better get down on the ground uh you know you're going to go up against russell wilson twice you better get him down on the ground because we know that he'll just run around i mean we've we've dealt with it as fans for 10 years now and now other teams are having to deal with it with kyler like it's actually nice to be on the other side of it for the first time as a fan and not going just tackle him and and <laughs> so you know to see it that's you're in the right spot uh they're but they're in the right spot they're close 
I will agree with you though. The the run defense is my biggest concern. And if you can find a team that's willing to stick it out, even if they get behind, you know, two scores, those and I'm not talking two touchdowns, but two scores where you're down ten or thirteen and you just abandon the run, like you're playing into what the Cardinals want you to do as a defense. Absolutely. Coming on next on the Rise Up Series Podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We move on to talk about the 49ers whom the Cardinals will face this weekend. We'll preview it. We'll talk about matchups. We'll make our predictions. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talk on the web. The 49ers are coming down. The Cardinals have a chance to go 2-0 in the division, 5-0 in the season overall. And they're not facing a 100% healthy team. Here are some of the injuries they've got. Jimmy Garoppolo, calf contusion. Feels like he says he's got a chance to play. I doubt he plays. It's probably going to be rookie Trey Lance making his first NFL start. Trent Williams dated with a shoulder injury. Robbie Gould, they just placed on IR, signed Joey Sly. So they have a new kicker who's coming in. Um, Elijah Mitchell, who was their stud early on in the season at running back, is banged up. George Kittle has some calf issues. Uh, you know, Javon Kinlaw has, has the need to manage. And, you know, they've got Samson Ebukam from the Rams. He's got some soreness as well on his hamstring. So they're not facing a – they're facing a team that's lost two in a row and are, you know, have a little bit of health issues. How concerned – like, give me your level of worry and excitement to see the Cardinals face a rookie in Trey Lance. I'm always – Concerned because I've been a Cardinals fan for too long <laughs> that that they're going to make Trey Lance look like Cam Newton or uh, Tua Tagovailoa or Jalen Hurts last year. I mean, remember those rookie quarterbacks looked like future Hall of, <laughs> Hall of Famers last year against the Cardinals. Um, that being said. My concern more is the desperation that I think the 49ers, as well as um, as well as Kyle Shanahan, are going to be under coming into this game. Um, they're going to be desperate for a victory. They can't. I mean, two and three, and basically four games behind the Cardinals. Even though you know the Cardinals are only five and zero, oh, the Cardinals will have the first win. Is that's a lot to overcome. Um, and now they're, oh, they would be Oh, and two in the division. That's a lot to ask. The health of this 49ers team is really going to be the key to this game because, you know, obviously we're expecting Trey Lance. Uh, we have a, we have a, a friend, you know, we're not reporting anything. We're just going to pass this along and it'll probably be out by the time, um, this this airs, but we do have a friend that's told us that they think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss a couple weeks, if not more, with this injury. Um, 
again we'll find out what happens uh but you know if, if you well, guys even don't jimmy said it himself a couple of weeks and i think it's gamesmanship that kyle said that shanahan said he has a calf contusion and he has a chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> right I, I think that was just to put that out there for the possibility. It sure sounds like that they're planning on getting Trey out there on Wednesday for practice to run the offense. Yeah, and so when you look at it, it's going to be a it's going to be a game that's about focus for the Cardinals. We talked about this with the Jaguars game, and I will say this. Um, Kyle Shanahan's a much better coach than Urban Meyer. The 49ers are a much better team than the Jaguars. And so those things will matter in this game because if the Cardinals come out lethargic like they did against the Jaguars, there's going to be a huge difference because you're going to see the Jaguar or the 49ers one stick to the run. They've got a phenomenal defensive front when it comes to kind of getting after the quarterback. Um, that's going to be something that that's going to be important. And so I think from that perspective, the focus that we saw this week has to, and this kind of brings the show full circle, which we always love. The focus has to stay on the team getting to this game as the only game that matters, that nothing else matters. The, that win against the Rams is over. It's done with. I don't want to say it didn't happen, but that's what you that's what you think about, right? Like th- this is the first game. They're they're zero and zero, and they're trying to leave Sunday one and zero, and that's how they have to look at it if they want to end up being this team that is perhaps the best in the NFL. If they come out slow, if they come out lethargic, if they come out under the gun and, and have to force Kyler to throw them back into it. It's not that I don't think he can. It's not that I don't think he will. I think that plays into what the 49ers want to do. If they continue to be balanced, if they continue to come out and play their game and force the 49ers into doing what they want, you're going to see a team that ends up, you know, moving to five and zero on the season and continuing to look like a really, really complete team. Right, and, and while the 49ers secondary is not very good right now, their pass rush still is. They still got Nick Bosa. They still got D four. They still got, they still got some talent on that team. Getting Eric, to the yeah, quarterback, Eric Armstrong's still there. Yeah, so they've got they've got some guys. It's just. Their run defense has been surprisingly off this year. Um, and like you said, their coverage is not good. And so the, this is a game they should win. There's there's always some really good matchups to watch, obviously. So you want to see hopefully a healthy Byron Murphy going up against Debo Samuel. Um, Marco Wilson against Brandon Ayuk is going to be fun to watch. Two young, athletic as heck players. Uh, the pass rush. You got Trent Williams against Chandler Jones. Uh, then on the other side, you're gonna see, you're gonna see um, 
J.J. Watt against Daniel Brunskill on the interior of the line. You've got Nick Bosa versus D.J. Humphreys, and Humphreys has been very good against Bosa in his career. I don't think Bosa has a sack yet in his career against the Cardinals. You get to watch George Kittle with Isaiah Simmons. It's not going to – we probably won't see as much Buda Baker, who's – so small compared to this Kittle, but this is this is why Simmons was drafted to be able to cover guys like Kittle. So we will get to see some of this happen, and I bet we don't see a whole lot of Zayvon Collins because of that motion that they run. We will see a lot more um, of the big fronts because the 49ers use 21 personnel a lot more um, because they use Kyle Uzcheck and they use him as as a move tight end in the backfield and so they will go base they'll force the cardinals to use a bigger front than they have in the last few weeks so we will see more of of richard lawrence and Corey peters and lucky foe too so it'll be interesting to watch in that sense um lots of fun matchups like i said i think the key to this if you're if you're going against trey lance you've got to one, one, you've got to contain, and two, you've got to give him a lot of different looks. It's like what they did against Trevor Lawrence. Um, they gave him a lot of looks early, um, which ultimately led to him making mistakes late. And and obviously, they got to keep doing what they got to do offensively. Um, yeah, the simple as that. They keep putting points on the board. I, I think it's going to really be hard for the 49ers to do that. Uh, Trey Lance is an incredible talent, but someone who has as few starts as a starter at even the collegiate level, that's a guy that you should beat. Well, and, you know, I don't know how many people heard the post-game interview from Kyle Shanahan, but he was not overly enthused <laughs> with having to play Trey Lance at this point. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of guys. I think people are really critical. Like, here's here's the thing I take on that. Who knows Trey Lance better than than Kyle, Kyle Shanahan? Shanahan. And so right. if he's really hesitant to have him be the starter, it's because Kyle Shanahan wants to win games and doesn't want to go through growing pains. He has a team that's supposed to compete. And when you put a rookie quarterback on that squad, you're going to have mistakes made because that's, that's inevitable. Right, and that's that's the whole issue. And, and, you know, with Raheem Mostert sidelined with George Kittle, Gimpy with Brandon, Ayuk really not finding his stride yet. Um, This has been kind of the Debo Samuels offense. He's been really good, really Um, good, but the Cardinals were able, they were able to take out Cooper cup, essentially of the game plan last week. Yeah. And, and um, you know, uh, George Kittle hasn't been himself this year. I do think some of that's been coaching. Kyle Shanahan's been a bit perplexing this year. If you've, I don't know how many Cardinals fans are following the 49ers, but, you know, Jess and I follow a lot of NFL teams, especially as they come, (laughs) as they come into Arizona. And, and I will say we've had, we, we've had group texts where we're wondering aloud what exactly <laughs> Kyle Shanahan is doing. Um, Kyle Shanahan, who is one of the darlings of the NFL, has a worse winning percentage as a coach than Cliff Kingsbury. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, and so I just, like I said, this game's going to come down to the Cardinals and how they start. Are they focused? Are they ready? I don't think the 49ers, if the Cardinals play 
if the Cardinals play like they did against uh, either of the middle two teams, you know, Minnesota or, or Jacksonville, they're going to lose this game. Um, that being said, I'm not saying they have to be as dominant, but if they come out as focused as they were against the, the Titans and the Rams, there are very few, let's just put it this way. There are very few teams in the NFL who can beat them. And I anticipate they take care of business. I've got the Cardinals winning this game, fairly handling uh, 34 to 17. It might be a closer game than that before, like ultimately what the final score says. But I, I just feel that this, that the Cardinals are doing much better, that they're focused and that they're, they're kind of playing. They're doing the things that they're supposed to do. And I think that it, it, they would be amiss to lose to a Trey Lance-led team in his first NFL start. And the 49ers are always especially, tough. Especially at home. Right. They're playing at home. They've got a banged-up San Francisco team who's now lost two in a row. They, they're going to get a good – they're going to get their best shot. But this is a game I think the Cardinals they, – they look like a team that knows how to win, and I think they're going to do it. I, I've got this game, Cardinals 34-17. to yeah, I think the Cardinals come out and win this game. Uh, I think they continue to shine on offense. I'm going to go 37 um, to 27. I think the I think the 49ers get a, a late score all out to what we saw uh, from the Rams, but they continue to you know be the best offense in the NFL, and their defense is doing enough consistently. Sounds good. With that, we will end this edition of the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Next week, we hope to be talking about a 5-0 and team heading on the road to Cleveland. They've got a tough game next week, but until then, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.